My name is Lance Clayton. My biggest fear in life is that I'm going to end up all alone. I'm a writer. I'm a writer, but so far nothing I've written has ever been published. Ernest Hemingway once said, all he wanted to do was write one true sentence. He also tried to scratch an itch in the back of his head with a shotgun. You guys didn't like Carl. That's okay. I didn't mind. I loved him. He was my son. He was also a douchebag. He wasn't very smart. And he didn't kill himself. Kyle died accidentally while masturbating. Hello and welcome to Midweek Matinee. I'm your host this week, Brett Beck. And alongside me, as always, I have the wondrous editor-in-chief, Mr. Chris Figgs. How are you, sir? Oh, hey, what's up, buddy? How are you doing? You like how I made you sound like you're like the head of a paper? I do. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. The, the, uh, our publication. Yes, I've bestowed upon you this prestigious uh, position. Uh, <laughs> and the janitor... Uh, of the publishing, <laughs> the publishing arm, publishing, Mr. Publishing, yeah, yeah publishing, um, Mr. Mr. Blake. He's also not actually the janitor. <laughs> he's like the guy who delivers the Schwann food every now and then, just like in the back. And he asked if he could be part of this, and we told him, yeah. And we've grown to really like him. So, you know, greatness from small beginnings. <laughs> Ironically, that's what he has tattooed on his penis. <laughs> It is. It is what's tattooed on my penis. Yep. Yeah. Too bad when it's, you know, even when it's fully, you know, out, it's like, you can barely read it. You know what I mean? But it's okay. Only five so. more years and you get your Rolex. Woo! <laughs> 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 okay. We are watching one of the strangest i won't say strangest it's a really good movie i feel like i'm gonna go ahead and spoil that for you there but (laughs) it's a it's if you've never seen this type of movie you might be a little like okay this is what but this is black comedy and it's very dark but very funny humor and if you ask me uh so it is world's greatest dad starring robin williams and our boy <clears throat> junie from star kids star, star kids, star kids. Star Wars. spy kids <laughs> <laughs> junie from spy kids um and i have to start this i have to ask chris first because it's oh, important okay. because he is the spy kids aficionado here uh, so sure. And you had never seen this movie prior, correct? I had not seen this movie prior, no. So I have to ask you, first of all, did you like the movie? And second of all, how did you feel about your man, Junie, coming into this role of, of Kyle? Uh, I mean, he was definitely very inspired uh, in, in the role <laughs> of Kyle. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, I don't really know how to feel about this movie. Uh, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed, and I almost turned it off before it finished, so... I don't really know what's, uh, how to take this movie, so I'm very interested Damn. in hearing you guys talk about it. <laughs> All right. Well, Blake, am I remembering that you at least knew what the movie was or had you seen it prior to this? Okay, so I didn't think I had seen it before, but I knew what it was. But I had seen at least parts. I don't know how, but I knew a lot of like the first half. So maybe I'd seen the first half at some point, I guess. I don't know. Okay. It was on Netflix around <clears throat> 2010, 2000. 
Okay. I probably watched it like 2011 to 2013. Yeah. That's the first time I stumbled across it and ended up falling in love. And I've watched this movie many countless times. So there you go. I also very much enjoy the movie. We will be spoiling the movie. So if you've not seen it, go check it out, watch it, and then get back to us uh, and enjoy. So yes, you've been, you've been warned, but I think I want to start off the movie. I want to start off discussing the movie. I really I think I want to start with Chris because I think that there's a lot of interesting potential for I don't know how to feel about this movie (laughs) because (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you I don't I'm so far removed from my first memory of watching the movie that while I know I love it and while I have loved it for a long time and I know that it left an impact on me I can't quite remember how much of I I know that I definitely had the movie lingering on me and it did I I feel like there's a memory of having to spend (coughs) some time with the movie to finally settle on where I landed on it and Mm -hmm. then rewatching it cemented the fact that I did actually love it you know what I mean sure so let's start with you 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 have the I'm what do you what is it that you think again you may not know just yet what is it you think has you not quite sure about where you stand yet i mean when i re- put my review on letterbox you know um the thing i, I wrote and it was just uh, this movie was only jarring <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing i thought about this movie was that it was just jarring so, so what do you mean by jarring I don't know. I just didn't get it. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, just watching it, I was—I was just couldn't figure out what this movie was supposed to be. And then it took the turn with the uh, Kyle dying, and then it just changed into another movie. And it, I don't know. It, I just there's just something about it. I didn't really. I wasn't able to invest in it at all. It it definitely felt like two different movies. Yeah. to me too but i kind of like that i think that the i mean it's not really a twist i i want to say that the movie was sold on the premise that the kid was gonna die yeah i would definitely so, say yeah. but at that moment the movie definitely shifted maybe not a completely different movie but different in tone i don't know i feel like it went from like the sausage party version of cheaper by the dozen if you know what i mean <laughs> and <laughs> to like <laughs> I don't know. Well, hold like on, a, hold on. Let's take a step back here. Yeah. You can't say something as confusing to me as the sausage party version of cheaper, cheaper by the dozen, and then just move on. I don't know what we're talking about. Please explain. I just mean basically an adult version of cheaper by the dozen. Have you seen Sausage Party? Hey, have you not, have you not seen that movie? I, I have definitely seen Sausage Party. I don't okay. know what that has to do with Cheaper by the Dozen. Are we talking about the Hillary Duff, Steve? Yes, uh, Steve Carell. Okay. Or no, not Steve, not Steve, Steve Carell. Martin. S- Steve yeah, Martin. Steve Martin. So, okay. Yes. I'm saying that this, the beginning of this movie was just an adult version of Cheaper by the Dozen. And I was just making a joke. Because that... Sausage Party is like an adult cartoon. Yes, exactly. It's an adult kids movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm still lost in this comparison, but it it's intrigued a, me. It's a movie it. about it continue. <laughs> it is a movie about a family, except instead of the fact that there are twelve kids, the family revolves around the fact that the kid is a giant dirt bag. <laughs> yeah, he's awful. Sense? Yeah, he's just a human. Human. There garbage. were like 
15 times where I was like, all right, I just want to kind of like beat the shit out of this kid. Yeah. I hate, <laughs> that was part of it too. Is like, it was novel to see Junie, you know, doing some autoerotic asphyxiation, <laughs> but like that, his charm kind of wore off to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't care that you died. <laughs> exactly. And I would say that that's actually a big, part of the movie i think the movie exists in this thing and that's part of why i think that it chose to go for that the basic premise is so weird anyway and unorthodox that i think you almost have to lean into like the dark comedy side of it where you're looking at it and going okay here's a situation that the you don't ever pity the kid no. You only pity this father who clearly wants a relationship with his kid and his kid is just, and he's trying his best and his kid is just not reciprocating at all and just being a huge fucking piece of shit. Yeah. So it's well, like the dad's when a massive dies, pushover. What's yeah, that? Well, that's true. The dad too. is a massive pushover. He is. So he it's is. like his fault that his kid is a dickhead, but also maybe he tried to be a good parent for a while and the kid just like would not stop, so finally he was like whatever. Yeah, and clearly the movie sets it up as though this has been a long-running thing that he's slowly been more and more and more down on, right? Yeah. Well, and he was a pushover, kind of, too, with his girlfriend. He was. And like I watching think across, her kiss Mike on the cheek. Is yeah, like, exactly. And, sorry, and, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I like that, you know, like, of what we were given for it. But, yeah, I, I do agree that there was, like, he's clearly a pushover, and there's a lot of stuff to me maybe it's like because i've watched it so many times there's an inferred bit of all of his life where you kind of understand how he's got this way and it's not necessarily even that you pity him 100 percent. i think i pitied him more over more and more watches also it's a little weird watching a movie with robin williams and not having a little bit of like a sense of wanting to give him more because i don't know it's just and that's actually something interesting about th- this movie anyway and how it handles death but Going back to like the crux of the beginning part of the movie, you're right. He is a pushover, and as from everything we we can see, it's like repeated attempts at the same thing have eventually led him to come to this thing of where he's doing the bare minimum he can to just get by, and he's got so much stuff stacked against him, going to lose his class, and it's not even like he's surprised when he learns it. He's like he he's known that his class has been dwindling. He has a son that's problematic clearly he's had a divorce at some point in time or at least a woman who was in his life for some period long enough to have kyle but it's clearly not around and she's also not a good parent as we learn uh or at least we can infer from kyle's remarks about her when it's mentioned that maybe he can go make her live with his mom so when you see all these things coalescing together todd yeah (laughs) so when you see these things coalescing together i don't think it's necessarily surprising and i think that for me i see a character who is I don't know if I would say relatable so much as you understand how he's in the position he's in. And because of that, you give him some, I I guess really for lack of a better word, you give him pity. I don't know. I guess the thing is just, I get, I get what you're saying. Like you do have to pity the, the father. I don't know. I just didn't really find him all that pitiable because he was kind of just a bad person. Like, (laughs) <laughs> like I don't I think the thing is like this movie is about bad people which is fine but I also you think didn't the dad find it, was a bad person? Yeah, I think he was Robin an Williams? awful person. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing we see him do after his son's death is basically like lie to get into a girl's pants like 
It's not the first thing we see him do. That's pretty I, pretty we much see the him first do after thing. his son dies is like cry for a long time and then well, make it look like a suicide as to not it's yes. embarrass the son or himself. And that's well, actually one dead, of the big questions but, about this movie, right? That's I, one of the things I put in my note is every time I've watched this movie, I've tried landing on where I feel about why he chose to do what he did is like the question becomes, and I like that it's not completely answered, but I like that it's like, was he covering up Kyle to respect his son's memory or to save himself the embarrassment? No. I think or a both. both. And I think it can be right. both. Yeah, uh, I think so too. See, I think the Kyle that we're shown throughout this movie would have preferred that people thought he went out jerking off. So I think he did it for himself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the Kyle in the movie would have pretended like he would have preferred to go out jerking off, but I don't think he really would have liked that. Well, nobody. I mean, he's would a high school douchebag, so like, yeah. But I mean, but, he's he's mostly fake. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, all of them were. That's kind of the point of the movie. I just also, I don't know. I just also think that dude was an idiot, and all he actually cared about was jerking off. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And to me, like yeah. the the thing is for me, like you still would have gotten the same sympathy if this happened and people wouldn't have doubted it because they knew the, ki- so. the kid especially going to the school where he went to be a teacher i think it would have been i don't know i mean it's a like all the kids in the school would have been making fun of it you know what i mean like they wouldn't yeah, have definitely. cared that he died because they didn't like him anyways yeah exactly well i think one of the big things about the movie right is like you i think you said you don't quite understand what the movie is and you view it as two movies. I don't view it as two movies. I think much like Blake, I do think that there's a clear tonal shift again, purposeful for everything that's going in, but the movie constantly builds through small things to kind of give you a hint that it's going to go this way. I mean, clearly the fact that the movie starts immediately with uh, you know his dialogue to himself or his monologue, if you want to say that setting up his want for the movie of, you know, he wants to, he wants to touch he wants to write something that touches people's soul and kind of helps them through the human condition and we also see that he wants money from it of course that's a pretty human thing but then we see him walk in on his son and already at the very beginning of the movie you have that thing where if you've not watched you're like is his son actually dead yeah <laughs> uh, so <laughs> when you look at it that way the movie very very early on touches on these things but i think i want to go back to something in particular because i want to get a sense it seemed like blake was not in complete agreement so i want to kind of get an idea so chris we know right now you view robin williams character lance as just a bad dude yeah you don't you think he's a bad person yes all right blake where do you land on where he is I don't think he's a bad person. I mean, I think he made some bad decisions later with like trying to publish the fake journal and stuff. But I think in the beginning, his intentions were pure. Mm-hmm. I don't think he faked the suicide with like some kind of ulterior motive of like, this will get me famous. You know what I mean? Yeah, for no, sure. I wouldn't say that either. That's not why I think he's a bad person. No, so, I know. I, I was just saying that. I got you. I, got like, you. I, I think most of his decisions were made in the heat of the moment or necessary i don't know like i mean I th- like i said i think he made bad decisions but i don't think he's a bad person yeah so chris why you said that that's not why you think he's a bad person which i didn't think anyway but without any kind of you know coercion or influence for me i want to hear just in general why you think he's a bad person just so i can kind of have 
you know, if I have something I think that goes against it or that goes that maybe clears it up, or just in general to see the way that you kind of took the events of the movie. No, I just think the big one for me is like the fact that the, most of this movie is about him like blatantly exploiting the fact that his son died very recently um, doesn't really help. Um, but I think the the part that's really bad is like he sees Claire, the other teacher, like starting to drift away from him and writes another fake journal entry about how much Kyle, the guy jerking off to her upskirt shots, <laughs> thinks of her and how he's going to be his new mother or whatever, um, his mm-hmm. new mother and take care of his father. Like, I don't know. I could see that being very problematic on Twitter in today's world. So <laughs> in 2020, Robin Williams character would have been lit up. <laughs> yeah. But I think like, Hashtag that's one canceled. of those ones where like, if somebody said like, that's, that's kind of my barometer on it. What I'm really thinking about it is like, if I saw this on my trending page on Twitter, if I would be a, if I would think it was fucked up, and I I would probably think the headline: "Woman accuses man of faking death note from child to get in pants." <laughs> That's like one of those Leslie Nope headlines where it's really long and no one would ever actually. Use it. <laughs> Here's your headline: "Woman, <laughs> woman." says man lied about son's suicide notes and journals so that he could get in her pants and pull her away from her other man yeah yeah (laughs) but the thing is we're joking about it but that's exactly what he did for sure for sure it is (laughs) but i think i think the reason that even like blake was like well is that because even if we say like you know you said it's the first thing he does i think it's it's clearly the first time that he it's the first time that he actually makes a conscious decision to write something because it's going to end up benefiting him. So prior to that, we actually have quite a bit of movie in between those times where we see him returning to school and we already see people treating him differently because of this death. Yeah. And that's before the suicide note even comes into play. That is fair. I think a lot of his decisions, and this doesn't make those decisions okay, but a lot of it stems from the fact that even when before, before his son killed himself, he was a very lonely man, even with Claire... Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was finally getting attention and it seemed to be good attention instead of negative attention about his kid like it seemed to have always been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so again, I don't think that makes his decisions okay, but I think it gives more of a reason than like, oh, I can finally get published. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know what I think is really... I, I think that there's a lot of things that redeem him to that point to where like, of course, I agree with Blake on the side of he, he <clears> is a... <throat> I think he's a good person or at least a well-meaning person who ends up in positions to where uh, it becomes an easy slippery slope of he's done one thing to benefit him and I, and then it can kind of continues to go and he just keeps benefiting and benefiting and it gets easy to get caught up in that. But I think more importantly, the way I kind of view it is the the way the reason I think and these are really important scenes to me in the movie, the reason I think that he gets the pass as he does is because every time that he goes to do something and he immediately has a sense of regret about it 
and then comes to the point of where he's trying to tell the truth. So there's this scene with Claire after the sleeping thing, right? And again, this is far past that. I think, you know, when you look at all the stuff that's going on and the suicide note gets leaked and it starts being a positive, and again, he clearly didn't write it with the intention of anyone else seeing it. It was more just like trying to make a convincing thing for essentially his suicide. So when it comes out and he starts seeing that, he go, he sees that there is a benefit to it, be it necessarily directly for him but more for the children who are getting to see it and having an effect from it but when he see when he has the claire thing which again is the first time where he kind of uses it to his benefit you see that he has a regret and he talks to her in the you know the break room and he says listen i need to talk to you about last night and i think it's fair to say that what he was trying to do was come clean automatically and say like listen this is what actually happened but before he can say that she blurts out that she loves him and all these things and essentially like blake said before he can even do anything about it he starts getting all this positive attention and things that he's wanted she starts pulling more away from mike and having all these things and so he kind of gets pulled away from it and then he goes to the counselor and that's another important scene he goes to the counselor and says i feel terrible and he's trying to lead up to this and every time every step of the way he keeps getting told well this is a great thing it's doing a great thing it's getting kids to come to me it's the breakthrough i finally needed and then we see that the whole time the doctor had an ulterior motive when he yeah. got, when he brought in the book <laughs> and then the doctor's trying to get his face on the back of the book shown on the TV show. It's like, it's so ridiculous but I like that this movie touches on the fact that humans are very fickle creatures and we are so led by presumption of what we think that we let it taint the way that we respond to things. So I look at it like he's not a bad guy. He's a person who was put into a bunch of situations that made him do very questionable and then also downright bad actions. But I don't. I think the fact that at the end of everything, because uh, Chris, you said he just wanted to get published, right? Or it might no. have been Chris. I mean, I'm Blake. I didn't say Sorry. that. <clears throat> but, no, I was just saying I don't think he did any of these things just to get published. No, exactly, I don't and I think the real interesting, the real thing, just for his redemption, is that when it's on the brink of him actually getting something out of this, and not only are they wanting to publish Kyle's journal as we as we know it, but they're also he's told right before he goes in and admits he's told that they want one of his books as well. So like he's right on the cusp of having literally everything he's talked about wanting at the beginning, but in that moment he realizes that what he needed. And what he needs at this moment is not in alignment with what his want is, which is typically what you want out of a compelling story. And I think it's also why Kyle's character has no character arc, because he's not meant to that. He's meant to be a catalyst for what happens for the the arc and the character growth that we see happen. And uh, arguably the character growth, but I guess that's technically the wording you'd use for Lance, the dad. I don't know. I think there's a lot of bias in the fact that you like him and the movie and a lot of what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. I think the only thing I straight, I agree with you on is the therapist, but I don't, I think the, the read on that conversation with Claire is very, um, it, it's, it's kind of like the Belko conundrum of this movie where if you, if you think he's a good person, then yes, you think that he's going to come clean to her about it. Mm. But if you think if you think he's a bad person like me, you remember the fact that their last I think their last interaction before this whole thing, like po- like a good one, like a more normal one, not that like apology thing, right? Was um her 
being with Mike and him freaking out that they're not exclusive. So for me, so I look at that. It actually wasn't just to kind of help you with timeline. So that does happen. But the last thing right before <laughs> I'm going to keep calling him Junie, but <laughs> the last thing before Kyle's death is actually the date that they go on to and they have a good time and he goes back and takes yeah, her home. No, I know, but not that one. I'm talking about the lunch, the break room part. So for me, that conversation that you were talking about in the break room, right? That one to me is could looks just like maybe I, <clears throat> you could read it as oh he wants to tell the truth or he wants like now that we've have this do you want to be more exclusive? That's how I see it because they lay evidence for that before that scene happens. Fair so he, and he clearly it's what, something that's come up throughout the whole movie. He gets what he wants. He gets <clears throat> in her pants and he gets her emotional enough to just kind of end up with him, which just happens naturally. So, and I, I do think you're right. Clearly, the way that you view a character's perceived intended actions, and essentially what you're inferring they would have done, and what, and clearly the scene is set up to make you think, well, he was going to do something, and where you land on who he is says a lot about where you're, what you're going to think he was trying yeah, to do. I think I can kind of explain it a little bit easier if you want. Go for I have, it. like an example. So for me, it kind of harkens back a little bit to um, Sal from Do the Right Thing, right? Where mm-hmm. the argument that we had was that I was I was frustrated with him being called a racist because he had one instance of saying the N word, but in this movie, and I'm not trying to compare them, so don't get that. Are you but, comparing these right now? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> but my point is that Sal does good things throughout his movie and then makes one mistake and we're quick to call him a racist, but Lance spends this entire movie doing deplorable things and we're sitting here like, well, he was sad and lonely. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't really think that tracks. I think he's he's just a bad person. I don't necessarily disagree with you. <laughs> like, well, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I yeah. still disagree with the reason you're saying what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think, I think if you really think about it, if this happens in real life, this man, like nobody thinks good of this man. And well, so like, well, and see, I think that speaks to something of maybe it's just who I am as a person, because in these situations, I am always the one who looks at someone and goes, well, just because they said or did one or maybe <clears throat> even a, a string of bad things does not mean they have to be bad people. Good people can make bad decisions all the time. And clearly you have people who exist more on the side of once you've done a bad thing, it doesn't matter how many years it's been you're still going to be hated. And you look at that for a number of different things, right? I mean, if we want to take it to this extremist level, you look and say, this guy raped a girl, even though it was 20 years ago and there's no proof that he's ever done it again and he clearly doesn't act in any way, shape, or form like that. You have the people who will look at it and go, he has to be the same person who raped that girl 20 years ago. There's no way he could have had any kind of change and he still needs to... You know, he, he can never come back from it. So actually a better example is like Louis C.K., right? Louis C.K. did something that was questionable. And he's you have people who are like, it doesn't matter how long ago it was or how long later, we're never going to forgive Louis C.K. Then you have people who are like, yeah, what's, what Louis C.K. did was bad. It was questionable. You know, at least it seemed like there was consent. Doesn't mean that it made it okay, but it, it at least made it less bad. And 
I can see him recovering from this and blah, blah, blah. So you have those two groups of people. And I tend to be on the group of, on the side of the, the people who try to give people the benefit of the doubt more. But that can yeah, but, come to a detriment. I think in this particular situation, while it's clearly a bad thing, I don't view it in this like he rate like he molested a kid or something you know so it's because it's not such an extreme even though it's clearly an extreme <laughs> that okay I so tend to be more forgiving i don't know i'm I, trying to really think of the way to word it all right so let me ask you a question right if yeah. louis ck was in your house right now jerking off and you said no in front of your wife your wife said no she wasn't happy you would think he's a bad person correct if I said no, yeah. Okay. I mean, so just that to be is fair my... to Louis C.K., that does not appear to be any of the situations. No, I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> yeah. But we are in this movie in the process of watching him jerk off. So you're giving, to me, it's like you're giving him five years of being a better person credit when 30 seconds ago he was trying to publish a book that he wrote and said his dead son who happened to be a, a depressed savant actually wrote yeah so so a good he way is to a bad person down. in the movie <laughs> whether yeah, he's a good way, not a good way to break that down is that yes in the moment he is being a bad person but the question becomes is he always a bad person because of that and i guess you know i view it from the from what I can infer from what he's done and from what the end of the movie is where he, he does come clean and kind of washes himself from all that, that I can infer that the majority of the time he's been more on the side of being a good person. And he did. So it's kind of like when people say good people do bad things, what they mean is that good people can be a bad per I can be bad people for an extent of like for any amount of time and can still come out on the other side of it and be good people. I don't know. I, I right? just, I don't feel like we're ever going to agree on this because it kind of feels... <laughs> I feel like you're right. It, it feels to me, and like I'm going to light spoilers for Breaking Bad if you've never heard of the premise of that show, but it would kind of be like you telling me after watching the resolution of that show, like, well, no, Walter was a good person because at the beginning of the show, he didn't sell drugs. That's how that argument feels to me because you... Duck, that, to be fair, Walt was way worse of a person. Also, yes, like Robin Williams' character didn't kill people. Yeah, but obviously, I'm, it's an example. I My know, point but I just is, don't think it's a fair example. It, it is a fair example because at the end of Breaking Bad, Walter is still a bad person. And at the end of this movie, Lance is still a bad person. So I Actually, don't I think both understand. of them have their moments of redemption, and that's the problem. Because I think I'd uh, agree with you. If this movie ended on... Okay, let's let's give a quick rewrite of the movie, right? He goes through, he does all this, he writes the journal, he puts it out there, it starts getting attention. He goes on Dr. Dana, he does all of this stuff, he gets the publishing deal, the people come in, he lets the library be named after his son, doesn't say anything, goes off, gets a book deal, gets his own book published because of it, goes on to make millions of money and lives his whole life that way, and that's the end of the movie. Then yes, we are watching a movie where he is ne he's never returned back, so as far as the movie lets us know, he is just a bad person now, and he's going to continue to be a bad person until one day hopefully he eventually maybe does something but instead what the movie does is it shows us him slipping down the slope of becoming a bad person because it's beneficial to him and it builds towards what he's thought he's wanted this entire time 
But at the end of the time, he realizes that what he needs is to not be weighed down by all this guilt of lying and realizing that's not what his son wanted. It's not even what he wanted. And being able to come back to, you know what, the right thing to do right now is to come clean and not let this go any further, even though I'm on the cusp of everything I've wanted. Well, and that's I think why you, I think you have that moment of redemption, I guess, is the best way I can say it. I think, to be fair, the, he didn't come f- clean because he felt bad. He came clean because he realized that everyone that now loved him and loved his son didn't really love him or his son. That's true as well. They but, hated, and, and, They didn't yeah. like either one of them before, and now they only like them because of his lies. Mm-hmm. It's a fake love, you know what I mean? Sure. And... I think we are to the point where like me and Chris are just not going to agree on that. But Blake, I think that brings up a really interesting discussion that I want to have around this movie and that one of the things that this movie really touches on is in regards to and it's something you hear often, right? When celebrities die, you hear about people suddenly loving Michael Jackson, even though they didn't like him beforehand, yeah. just because everyone died. was a Nipsey hustle yeah. fan. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> suddenly Nipsey hustle dies, gets shot and everybody loves Nipsey hustle. Hey, and, Blake, like nobody listens shot, okay. to listeners. That's cool. <laughs> That's nobody cool. And there was always to going to be people who did. <laughs> but it's one of those things where posthumously a lot of people end up being liked some of them for the real reason of you end up hearing about them because of their death you have a curiosity you check them out and then you actually end up loving them that yeah, can and i think that's cool i like that yeah that is a great thing but there's just as many people who only like them to be par- part of the cultural zeitgeist of being able to say that you miss exactly them. yeah so when you have that this movie kind of touches on that because it touches on the f- way that death can change the way people feel about someone or something and the way the reason i like the way this movie does it is because normally you think about that and how one person's actual work gets viewed completely differently through the lens of them either dying or committing suicide or whatever it is. That's normally yeah. how you see it. And it's like, well, now their work that was maybe they had a career, but they weren't considered prolific until their death. And suddenly everybody who's maybe even heard these songs is trying to view them under this super deep faux, I cared about this person thing. And somehow their work is so much more powerful. And I like that in this movie, it kind of skews that by having it be that Lance is actually the person whose work and everything about him is being viewed differently because of someone else passing. But that's because Lance was the one who wrote the journal. So it's funny, like, you know, the movie sets this thing up to where you see Claire get a copy of his book that he finishes at the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah. And we never see her read it. We never hear her say anything positive about it to him. So we're left to infer that she's do- she's being supportive, but she doesn't actually think his work is all that great, right? So then, and again, that's technically an inference, but it's one that's reasonable given what, how the movie sets it up for us. And so, that he's Brett, is that books. why you guys haven't finished reading my book? <laughs> 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 hey shots fired from, from what i have read chris i have given you feedback so. i know but yeah, you said it, you set it up public, so son. well but you that is hilarious me, you put that on a t and i was just ready with the bat <laughs> <laughs> okay but going back to the movie i think one of the things that's interesting is that they want they show specifically claire laying in bed reading the journal that was all written by Lance and suddenly his writing is daring and brave and powerful and beautiful and all these different things and everybody reads it and all these people who saw no value in Lance's work prior are suddenly giving him a bunch of attention because of what they think his son wrote 
But the the irony, the beautiful irony in it all, is that it was Lance's work all the time, the whole time. And suddenly, <clears throat> because you're wanting to view it through this weird lens that humans tend to do, where they start liking something when someone's gone. Now his work is being admired, and he's getting exactly what he said he wanted. He's touching on people. It's having a positive benefit. You have people who are coming out as gay who have been holding it in because of expectations of society around them. You have people who are going to kill themselves who are now feeling like they don't have to do that because they're reading up on someone else. So I liked that the movie kind of excused that because I will tell you, I've gotten to a point where I feel like in hindsight – Going back to the Michael Jackson thing, like, you know, I was pretty young when he passed. I was in my teen years. I was like 15. And I liked some Michael Jackson songs, but there are plenty that I hadn't heard. And you have that moment where I started listening to him. I was like, man, Michael Jackson kind of does slap. And because of the fact that culture starts talking to you. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) What? (laughs) What's up? <laughs> just the way. You're, you're talking about Michael Jackson, and you're like, "Oh well, I guess he is pretty okay." <laughs> that king of pop guy. I the guess he made some good. Three hundred million people weren't wrong. Oh wow! Exactly. That, that Thriller song really is a banger. I'm gonna put that next to my Juice World album. <laughs> I've never really gotten oh, into his music shit. though. I don't like the genre as a whole. What, but, uh, Jackson, when he died, or? I was in Belize, and there was every radio station in that city in Belize City, Lottie the capital, died. was what playing money you got, fucking twenty four seven. Wait, who are we talking about? Jackson? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I know Kyle in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lottie Tom die. Blake's going to Belize. Okay. Um, it was a mission trip for my church. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, but, expose yourself. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but going back to that, I think like, you know, when I look at that, I've had that experience where people started talking about him and it's easy to catch yourself saying something and feeling like, even though I mean this, I'm also feel like I'm coming off as this Michael Jackson stand that I'm clearly not been. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, of the only reason that I bought The Last of Us 2 at release was because I spent so much time talking shit about it having only read the leaks that I was like, okay, there's this Facebook marketplace one for 40 bucks. I'll go buy that. So I bought that and I played it and I was right. So Yeah, it was great, right? That's not that's a word you could use. Uh <laughs> But yeah, it's one of those things that happens. So I guess it's part of why I like this movie because every time I've watched this movie has been years apart, but I've seen it about eight times. I watched it probably three times in the first two or three years after watching it, and I really loved it. But every time since, it's kind of been like two or so years. Like the last time I watched this movie, I want to say was in 2018. Um, So it's interesting that I I find some way to bring it back around. (laughs) But it's... Even with different ages, right? As you go through living life and as artists continue to go and internet makes people way more prolific, it's like, I've gone through a bunch of deaths and you see a lot of people suddenly like Juice World because Juice World passed. You see a lot of people suddenly like Lil Peep because Lil Peep passed. You see a lot of people suddenly like Exxon. R.I.P., buddy. R.I.P., Lil Peep. (laughs) (laughs) But... Yeah, so you see that, and you have these like you know years apart things where you see people doing this exact thing, and I like seeing a movie touch on this in a way that's 
still finding a way to actually askew it and i thought that was cool and i because it speaks a lot to the human nature (laughs) of how we just are as people to where and i love that it's almost like the people who are doing this within the confines of the movie they're caricatures it's like you have the girl who is the caricature like emo goth girl who like everything has to be this poem and going back and she's so in love and you have the two girls on the opposite sides of kind of the spectrum that are kind of doing that and then you have mike in this movie going through and trying to hold on to his thing and then he's playing into this like oh so powerful and great work and great line but behind the scenes mike keeps having this thing of like trying to bring his two-year-old son up in relation to a kid who killed himself and being like it reminds me of my kid yeah that was weird (laughs) what are you talking about but it's it's weird because it speaks on the fact that people try and like people and post but it also speaks on how for some reason when one person dies other people who maybe get less attention start trying to find a way to pull themselves into the attention oh yeah we're all guilty of that for sure speaking (laughs) of mike though i want to talk about the most I th- nobody has mentioned it yet. I think it's the most important like subplot of the entire movie. Okay. Mike's basketball games. <laughs> <laughs> Are they like half court under a bridge? Like what the fuck is going on there? <laughs> oh yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Also, like, this is my playoffs. Did he win, did he win playoffs? <laughs> we we don't get told. It was just <laughs> so funny. No resolution. I'm watching Mike's basketball game and it zooms out and it's just a bunch of old dudes in like <laughs> t-shirts and shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a pickup game, but the, everyone in the crowd is acting like it's, I don't know, it's just so funny. <laughs> like it's a big deal? Yeah. yeah. While, we're on the, uh, while we're on the topic of like weird scenes to where you're like, what the hell am I watching in terms of what I expected? Did anybody <laughs> else see the fucking, or did anybody else think, and I think this every time I watch the movie, that she's like, I want to take you out to Outback Steakhouse. Anybody who's anybody will yes. see us there. And then what you the see fuck? them in the restaurant and you're like, that's not a fucking Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I thought you were going to say, but what oh, were you well, thinking? What did you think I was going to say? I was thinking of the um, I was thinking of the weird scene of Kyle just a ghost appearing in front of like half the people reading his <laughs> diary. Yeah. Oh. how that scene was really funny but it was really fucking weird <laughs> dude i love that scene it's I a thought funny scene like everybody that was thinking about him yeah. yeah well and again going back to what we we're talking about right it's like everybody has their own version of kyle they're creating it in their heads well, yeah it was them projecting I, yeah but dude that whole scene there are there are two perfect scenes in this movie like are perfect groups you know like perfect oh, sections okay to me Okay. When you see uh, his penis. Because they're so powerful. Yeah. Yes, when you see Robin Williams' penis, I was overcome. <laughs> hey, overcome. I was undercome. So. Uh, exactly. I was coming. <laughs> still am. So. Like a sprinkler. <laughs> Talk about a twist ending. Was this an M. Night Shyamalan movie? <laughs> so, going to it, though, <laughs> the, scene of, <laughs> the scene of Lance finding Kyle is so good to me. It's because. One of the things this movie does with its soundtrack, which also this movie has a banging ass soundtrack. Yeah, one of the, all things, the songs were great. Yeah, one of the things this movie does with its soundtrack is <clears throat> find songs that juxtapose exactly <clears throat> what's happening on screen, but somehow still fit. So you have multiple situations of that. And actually, I'll say there's three perfect scenes in this movie because they're all based around this. So when he finds Kyle, 
and the song choice is great it's uh, how i first actually part of why i love this movie too it's how i first found uh akron family which is the people who did the uh don't be afraid song that's playing during the death scene or mm. when he finds him dead yeah uh, that whole scene cutting every bit of audio but seeing all the anguish that's going on and playing that song that if you just heard the song you would never imagine it'd be placed with this scene it worked and somehow yet when you see them together it works um i love that and every bit of it kind of going back and forth and seeing the slow like cleaning him up and pulling it's just a powerful scene mm. and i think the music choice and the framing of a lot of it is a big part of that so um you're gonna get mad at me but while i do agree that that scene was shot really well it became and this is maybe this is fucked up but it became very funny to me because when he was crying rolling around on the ground all i could picture was kyle was the way he was angled over his father was that his dick was just hanging over his father's <laughs> head <laughs> and I, I couldn't stop laughing and i know that's really fucked up hey this is a comedy it's okay to laugh <laughs> but just the the visual of just dead kyle just fucking swinging big, over his dick hanging over his dad yeah just crying like just brushing <laughs> his dick. cheek as he real cried. quick robin williams getting naked in high school really bad idea right Is yeah that, no, not, that like, was one of the weird. quickest ways to become a registered sex offender yep that was weird i didn't get it i don't understand how nobody was like get this guy <laughs> nobody hey nobody chased him no he went so, alone yeah, yeah i mean well, he was by himself but still if like one kid walked in there and reported it he's like <laughs> always going to be on a watch list and the thing is like why couldn't you have your pants on or at least boxers so hold on we'll talk about that in a minute because it's part of my perfect scene thing so of course the second perfect scene what y'all brushed upon is the section of everyone reading the suicide note and the ghost kyles that are popping up and every one of them is different based off of who is reading the suicide note and what they're thinking of him in that moment like every everybody has their own form of kyle that they're imagining in their head based off of this entirely falsified note yeah and it just doubles back into that. Everybody pretends <laughs> to have known and loved somebody once they're gone, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but also, again, thinking about that, it's kind of a dark thing because, like, you know, at first, the first couple you see are kind of interesting because you see a couple that are actually kind of haunting and like, oh, man, that's kind of sad. And then you see one with him, like, with a French beret on and a fucking <laughs> art mustache. The one that got me was uh, Emo Kyle. <laughs> yeah, Emo Kyle was fun, too. So when you see all those, it's just funny, but... Uh, I think the timing of that song, uh, the timing of the editing alongside the song that's playing there, which is a really good song. It's by the Deadly Syndrome. It's called "I Hope I Become a Ghost." Mm-hmm. Listen to that song in its entirety because it's really good. But that scene going on, and there's there's one scene in that same segment that is so good to me, and it's when they're you know they're kind of reading the note over in Kyle's voice and well actually you're you're hearing it first from uh, Robin Williams' voice, and he's going along and then as he's kind of walking through and seeing all these people who are suddenly changing their opinion on Kyle, he has that moment where you see Kyle in the reflection of the window walking alongside him, but looking at him and it changes to his voice reading the paper. And you kind of see him have that PTSD moment where he looks at the open doorway and he sees Kyle hanging and like, look up at him. And it's a really strong scene. It's really powerful. And the, 
when the song starts picking up and at the end of the song there's that there's a snare hit dot 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 and every time they're doing it it's kind of flashing between kyle being dead the students coming around lance and then lance's face still looking as though he's alone in the moment and it's just a really fucking awesome scene mm-hmm. oh i love it so much <laughs> that was a good scene i do agree on that but lastly so we can talk about him being naked in the thing the scene after admitting that everything and then you know under pressure starts playing which was a great callback yeah. <laughs> to earlier in the movie oh yeah we because, didn't talk about that line how funny that line is uh yeah uh, i'm white <laughs> <laughs> yes it cracked me up so bad <laughs> every time this shit kills me <laughs> oh also, also really um liked when kyle was fighting that dude in the hallway He's like, get off me, you dumb jock. He's like, what are you talking about? I don't even play sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. You know, for as much as we were talking about Kyle not being likable, he really isn't meant to be likable, but there's a lot of funny scenes with him. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So he, he ends up being likable in retrospect of you liked scenes with him in it because of even though he you wanted to slap him, the shit he was saying was still funny. Um, the scenes with yeah. his friend was funny. The scenes with his dad was just kind of cruel. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For Even sure. the scene that that fight was based on when you <laughs> that pussy's not going to eat itself. I, was, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> the like, the worst thing is that is I'm not saying porn. it's it's right or anything, but dude, that is exactly the kind of dumb shit the teenagers say. Absolutely. <laughs> so you're watching it, and you're like, oh man, like maybe I would like maybe I haven't heard people say it to where the other girl can hear, but you'll say stupid shit like that when you're a kid and you're trying to like you're over hormoned and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, so you're over correcting shit like that as a joke. But <laughs> oh, like, for sure, for sure. That's I, I guess that's the I worst thing the is that he, that he looked like that. he 100 percent meant it. Yeah, well, it it just reminded me of the uh, Jay and Silo Bob line where he's like, "Hey, baby, you ever had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat?" <laughs> Which just fucking gets me every time. <laughs> but yeah, leading up to that last scene, you know, it, it comes back again to that uh, the idea of having a song that doesn't quite fit what's going on and that's under pressure, and it's playing at a point in time where the visualization of everything going on right is like he's running through the school where he's kind of leaving the school. We don't ever see him in the school again after that. I think it's kind of like a release. And we see him shedding his clothes off, which is like I've always taken from literally the first time I've watched the movie. I've always taken it as like metaphor for him, like shedding the weight of all the guilt he's been carrying. And also kind of the, you know, people view nudity as a sense of freedom. And I think it's kind of like he's getting his life, his real life, not the one full of, like Blake said, people who are like loving you and admiring you and being friendly towards you only because of a bunch of fakeness and he's kind of being freed back in and again the idea of the pools like he's going back to diving which is again a callback to earlier in the movie when his son's talking shit on him for being a diver that was really that was funny too yeah so (laughs) i like that that he's like going back to his happy spot right he's diving and then that's metaphorical of washing himself of all of this that he's been dealing with so i actually think that scene's really powerful and again setting it to under pressure is so weird because he's clearly freeing himself and he's free of all the pressure he's had see but it works in the moment i think the only reason i agree with blake more than you is because that scene would have been just as powerful in a, a YMCA instead of like 
a high school with entirely filled with minors <laughs> like, no, for sure for sure but i think again it, maybe i'd feel differently if every one of the kids had come through and followed him and I I think that the movie is trying to frame it from the importance of the symbolism and what the school is for him now. Oh, the school for sure, is always going to be a trap and a reminder of the what he had done, and even Kyle and all these people who fakely liked him. And so it all comes together as like I think it's important within the confines of the movie and the way they chose to shoot it without anybody else around that it's him by himself returning back to being happy by himself, free of all these people and in the setting of a place where he's never going to go back to. It's like, again, it's just all freedom based and I don't have, I mean, you, you are right. If for some reason a YMCA would have been pertinent to the story and who he was, like maybe he was a coach. I mean, even at a YMCA, YMCA, it's still public nudity. Yeah, and it's I, still kids. That was just <laughs> yeah, the best like, thing I could come up with. No, I know, I got you. I was just saying, like, as long if it's not your backyard, then you can't do it naked. Yeah, right. <laughs> even so, if it's like, your, maybe just, if it's like, your backyard, don't take off your boxes you. or underwear, whatever. Yeah, he he left his socks on for traction. I think you're allowed to be naked in your backyard. I, th- I would think so. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe so. I've hey, never I, wanted to be naked in my backyard. So I've never I tried piss, it or I piss it in up. my backyard all the time. <laughs> I, don't know. I was raised in the country and I'm just used to peeing wherever <laughs> the fuck I want. So I sometimes when I have to pee, I have a bathroom right here beside me. And sometimes I will walk all the way out of the house and just piss outside. <laughs> What the fuck? Dude, yeah. My, my, my wife's like, there's a toilet in there. I was like, why would I waste water on something I could just do right here? Why would I waste water? <laughs> <laughs> what a wild reasoning to get to leave your home to go pee in the wilderness. I'm just going to save some water. I don't pee in the wilderness. <laughs> I pee directly behind my house. Uh, yeah, for sure. But wilderness... <laughs> <laughs> my, behind my house is the wilderness. Okay, wilderness if you pee sounds into the funny. Air conditioner, then. like the AC unit, then it doesn't even hit your grass and no mess. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So Seems like a good way to get pee all over your face. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please continue. Uh, no, you're fine. Um, let's see. I, I was trying to think because I think that there's actually a lot of strong messaging in this movie and maybe it's something that's been drilled into me over and over and over of watching it and again not having to sit there and think about all these things i already know where i land on and again it's interesting to rewatch it because it does offer the opportunity for me to change my opinion of where i stand on every character including lance um so far i've never had any really major sweeping changes about how i feel about him or what he's done i have a slightly different perspective now that i'm a parent and seeing this and kind of thinking about what would happen if your kid actually did end up this way and what it would take for you to get to a point to where even though you're trying the best you you can in this particular moment you're still not necessarily doing a great job because it's almost like they're too far gone so that does exist in me but i think a lot of what this movie does is actually really interesting because you get to see things that I think are relatively true about the propensity of humans to do. So like one of the things I wrote in my notes is that one of the, my favorite things about this movie is that after his death and, and almost nothing in relate, it, it's kind of like a side benefit to everything going on. And it starts to again, come out of control. But after Kyle's death, Lance gets to create a version of Kyle that allows him to have had a better relationship with his son than what he actually did get to have. And we see those scenes that are real important beforehand where he's just trying to go out and spend time with his son 
and his son is just being a piece of shit and clearly planned ahead of time to get him to go buy him that monitor even though he's acting like oh in the moment he got him to do it so you see these things where it's just him shitting all over his dad and his dad trying to have a relationship and asking him what's going on asking him what kind of music he likes and getting nowhere with it right yeah and i like that you kind of get to see that and you have that situation where now he has this kind of fake relationship with a son that he thought he always wanted but it's not a real relationship and that starts to eat away at him but it's like this is not who my son was and that's kind of built into the movie like you know you talked about the scene that kind of made you think like this is the beginning of him being a terrible person right is the him having <laughs> claire read the fucked up you know the note being like hey i hope you take care of my dad and all that stuff um he turns early in the movie he keeps talking to kyle about why he turns that picture of him down and he says it's i, <laughs> I look like i'm inbred or whatever <laughs> and he flips it back up but then whenever he's going and making this decision bad decision with claire he flips the picture down and he doesn't flip it up for the rest of the movie until the very end when everything is passed and he's sitting there with andrew and the neighbor on the couch watching now the yeah. living dead and he looks over and he realizes it's down and he goes you know what i don't need that down anymore i can pick it up because while i don't have this fake relationship that was better with my son or this fake version of my son who i can be more proud of i have the son i actually had and i can at least be you know i can look at this now without having to be ashamed of myself for my actions that picture is so goofy too. I love it. I love <laughs> the that way it's he just also... like is looking up in the corner. I don't know. It's so funny looking. I love that. It makes me think of Step Brothers. The first, yeah, time. yeah. And I'm glad that they used it as like all of the art for everything. Like the the shirts they're it was making, always the that picture. Making. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like so something funny. Napoleon Dynamite. The girl on that would have taken. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <coughs> but. It clearly seems as though, and of course, you know, I was excited to watch this movie, but it does clearly seem to me that <laughs> I think a lot more of this movie than you two did. And that's no, okay. I really liked it. Yeah. But I guess the last kind of note of a serious nature that I had about this movie and like the more serious side of its thing is how this movie goes about dealing with grief. And that I think comes back to the idea of the picture being pushed down and then eventually being able to come back up. Cause it's kind of like he's worked through yeah. some of his grief, but you know, like the small little moment of him looking at the footprints that are on his dash of his car, because Kyle was being a dick and had his feet up on the car. And even though we see that as kind of like a moment of contention between the two of them, he's still remembering the moments he did get to have with his son, even though his son was an asshole. And if you remember, like one of the first things he says to his neighbor when they're talking is like, you know, he was an asshole, but I miss him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's I really kind like of working the neighbor through that. And his relationship with her. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff about this movie, but also the movie has a lot of weird little one-liner things that make me laugh so hard. <laughs> so y'all were talking about the under pressure thing where he comes up there and he says jason i'm white but <laughs> i feel like we can't talk about that without also immediately talking about the girl getting up because he's talking about coming like you know making something personal and she gets yeah. up and reads the really fucking super heavy <laughs> thing about what is i can only assume is about a miscarriage yeah that was my assumption too and then he Ooh. tells her um <laughs> You can always come talk to me or whatever. And she's like, why? <laughs> she's like, why would I do that? 
<laughs> so let's flip it around, Chris. Yeah. What I want from you right now is what you did like about this movie. Tell me things that made you laugh or that you just enjoyed. So one of them. So what I enjoyed was Claire because Claire was fucking hot. Um, <laughs> so I enjoyed every scene with her. But I think the funniest scene with her, with her was the ending where it cuts to her just Mike. in Mike's arms. <laughs> <laughs> that, had me, that had me laughing. That was actually really funny. <laughs> I thought their scene in the beginning was really cute. Like hiding kisses in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. See, Very did anyone... Moment. Did anyone have a, uh, an issue with that relationship of just not not really believing it? I did, but yeah. only uh, it's weird, right? I kind of had this idea, and every time I've watched the movie, I have this idea, like my head canon, that Claire has like a weird thing for older dudes, and she just never says it anywhere because the movie's trying to frame it as though she's supposed to just love him for who he really is. Right. But then every time that we see them kind of coming together outside of their little, you know, cringy nicknames for each other that are mildly <laughs> cute, but also kind of ridiculous. Too many um, syllables. Yeah. Honeydew right? melon. The fuck <laughs> you talking about? <laughs> just stop it. Honeydew. Yeah. Or honey. Um, melon. Or melon. Just call her Claire. <laughs> Uh, but when you see that, my head canon is that she just has a thing for old dudes, and that's why she kind of still has a thing for Mike, and she's going for him. But every time that the movie tries to like give you something, it's like, yeah, you should like this couple. It kind of works, but at the same time, immediately there'll be a moment where he's like, oh, if you like this, and she's like, oh, it's like clearly trying to show their age, where she, he's like, oh, you like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? And he's like, well, the Gene Wilder one? And she's like... I like the Johnny Depp one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like, and there's moments where it's almost like she's, like she laughs at him about the diving thing and she's almost like, she's closer to age to, very likely, she's closer to age to Kyle, Kyle than yeah. she is. So it's like she's kind of vibing with Kyle a little bit more. <laughs> as yeah. weird as that is. That, yeah, that's almost one of those things where like, if this movie was like, a murder thriller about how Claire killed Kyle. Like I would almost believe the relationship way more where I'm like, Oh, she's got to stay close to the crime scene. Yeah. She broke a nail tying Kyle up to the chair. So (laughs) all because we, we changed it to where she overheard him talking about go, you know, whenever he's, he, he pulls them off and suddenly whenever he goes to drop Kyle off, Kyle's like, dude, you gonna go back and get a piece of that shit? You gonna, you gonna hit that fucking pussy? Because <laughs> you see her look over and it's like implied that she didn't hear it. <laughs> oh, see, I thought it was implied that she definitely did hear it. And she was like, all right, I guess I'm getting ready to fuck. And that's why she started putting lipstick back on. And mm, Maybe. That was Every time I've it. watched it, she has like such a no reaction that I, I think it's just like she looks over and is like, yeah, they're still talking. Let me just See, put I, my makeup on. I would say her reaction was putting the makeup on. It's like, oh, I'm getting laid tonight. Let's, let's put some lipstick yeah. on. Stain that penis with my mouth. Ah, uh, man, I just went, you want to make me watch RJ Burger even more because they have the <laughs> rain blow episode where they put on different color lipsticks and then blow yeah. you so that it stacks up and creates a rainbow on your dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did anybody else feel like it was weird that we see two teachers and yet Claire's over here driving, she's an art teacher and she's driving a mini coupe and has like a super nice house and Lance, my homeboy, is just over here struggling. 
Yeah. Did they no. say where they like what city this is? No. Did I? I was gonna say it might just be like cheap living where they're at. Then why is Lance struggling? I know he has a kid, so that's reasonable as to why he'd have more expenses. But how is well, he affording a Mini Cooper? She's also probably a first time a young teacher. I'm I'm, I'm just assuming. Are Mini at Coopers this point. expensive? Yes, they're pretty expensive. Oh. I would yeah, just I never assume that uh, she just doesn't have any other bills. <laughs> maybe, or maybe she has an OnlyFans. <laughs> in 2020 she probably does Would, i mean I, I, I gotta wonder like are teachers allowed to have an only fans like i feel like no right oh actually there's there's an answer to that question there was a teacher who was found out to have an only fans and was fired okay so probably yeah. not also blake just to give a little bit more in i mean when i say a mini cooper is Push expensive what i shouldn't yet <laughs> what i what i really mean left. is that My why left. is one dude over here driving what's clearly a very paid off car and still struggling yeah. to an extent and she's driving don't be wrong mini coopers are like twenty five thousand dollars they're not uh, yeah. astronomically high sure but they're more expensive than like his car but, yeah i know what yes, you meant, yeah yeah exactly I just don't want you thinking like, oh, is it like a thirteen thousand dollar Fiat? No, it's a it's a pretty decently priced car. <laughs> but um, so one thing we haven't talked about at all here is that my boy Andrew might be the most real ride or die person I've ever seen in anything. Yeah, he gets treated like shit <laughs> constantly, <laughs> basically, and yet he is one hundred percent. That's my boy Kyle, and I'm going to work yeah. with him. <laughs> Even though he's a vegetarian, yeah, he is a vegetarian. But realistically, I like Andrew, and I like the like weird. I like that Andrew kind of acts, and by the time that the movie ends, and they set it up at the beginning, he he acts as like another point of redemption for Robin Williams' character, because he kind of gets to go through this thing of like, you know, I don't have my own son, and you're a kid who has a rough home life. And it's, I like that he like stops Andrew and he's like, Andrew, what are you doing? Like, you know, do you want something to eat? Do you want to come sit down and watch a movie with us? And also, they let Andrew take a bite and pre- potentially more of a pot brownie. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> they're just like, uh. <laughs> they look at him for like a split second. They're like, what are you going to do about it now? You know what other scene was really funny? Um, when they decide to be public with their relationship and they just start making out for far too long in front of their coworkers, and there's like a bet <laughs> yeah it yeah. comes to the other two <laughs> and they hand him money <laughs> and i like that the way they chose the shot that i like, shoot that was not the not like them looking at each other and giving money it's like the entire time their eyes are glued on them and he's just taking yeah. his wallet out and grabbing the money and <laughs> handing it to her i like ever looking i like that the girl who won the bet was clearly shocked that she won the bet <laughs> But also, how could she ever lose that bet? That's true. Right? Like, that's only a bet that she can win. Yeah, that's like that's like putting down a bet you know that it's low chances, but there's no... There's low chance that you'll win, but also no chance that you'll actually lose anything. Right, that's like me sitting here saying, I bet you $2,000 I'll Platinum Red Dead Redemption 2 at some point. <laughs> that's true. Because then you can't pay them, and once you die, that's the only... Yeah, that's, that's the only time that at one point is gone. But then you can't pay. Yeah, they go after your lawyer. Listen, Look. he bet me. I want it out of his estate. <laughs> the eighty dollars I bet. <laughs> it's my it's money, mine. and I want it now. <laughs> 
There you go. Call 877-CASH now. This episode is sponsored by... 877 cash now. Too bad this episode isn't sponsored, right? Yeah, yeah, this one is sponsored. So yeah. Thanks, we JG didn't. You know, we talked about the scene where uh, go buy them, please. <laughs> we talked about the scene though where uh, Kyle is talking to his dad and being like, "Are you gonna go back and get it?" And he keeps like, you know, Lance keeps like him saying like, "I'm just gonna take her home. I'm just gonna take her home." And he says, "I just want to say good night to her alone." And then Kyle says, "Yeah, with your cock." <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, like. If Kyle was just slightly better of a person, he would be super cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because I was watching him talk like that with his dad, and I'm like, that'd be an interesting relationship to have with your father. If it was always that way, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Like, if he could joke with his dad like that, but... Yeah. He said he's a fucking dickhead. Right. But I do think it's interesting that the only time we see Kyle show any respect to his dad is when his dad, he realizes his dad is nailing the very hot teacher. <laughs> yeah. It's like props to dad here. This whole world Listen, is sex. Same. Or lack though. thereof. <laughs> That's true. But at the same time, like if my, if, well, I shouldn't say that. If my brother brought home a girl that hot, I would probably have the same reaction. I don't think she's like that hot. She's definitely I, yeah, attractive, but she's not like. No, okay, she's, yeah, but no, she's context contextually to Robin Williams. Well, no, yeah, of course. No, I'm just just general like. I mean, don't be wrong. She's she's attractive anyway. I'm I'm definitely agreeing with you there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying. taking anything away. I, like she's a very attractive woman. Oh yes, I'm just I just doubling don't think down. she's like <laughs> so hot. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just doubling down that I do. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> good, I, good to know, man. I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I just don't think you're right. I mean, so that that is <laughs> fundamentally a disagreement. <laughs> if, you, if you you not thinking I'm right is the definition of a disagreement. <laughs> okay, agree to like not. Disagree, I don't mean to disagree with you, but wrong. you're fucking wrong, and I want you to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So thinking back to other scenes that are just very short, but they're very funny and just made me laugh because I think they're so ridiculous. When he's looking at the porn magazines in the street, like at the magazine stand, and he, <laughs> and he starts, starts like crying. breaking oh down, God. crying, and the guy who guy clearly like has daughter. no clue, <laughs> and he just goes over there and like he, he comforts him. You don't know yeah. why. I wonder. I think that guy thought that like maybe his daughter was on like the cover of one of the magazines. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of. I've always. I've had this thing where it's like, is it the guy going over and being like, I know they're just so damn beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like it's one of those like I get it, buddy. I don't want to buy porn at a. But I have to as well. At the side of the street either. But I don't have a, a computer. The <laughs> iPod Touch just broke, so I can't jerk off in the McDonald's public Wi-Fi anymore. <laughs> I, also, I shout out to consistency because I. I can't remember the exact name. It was wet and something, but the same website that Kyle was on that he like minimized whenever his dad was walking in is the yeah. same magazine that we first see Robin Williams staring at. <laughs> so see, could, shout out to consistency. And I wonder if it was you, a real porn magazine or not. Could you imagine if your son died and the thing that brought out emotion of you was walking by a kiosk of porn magazines? <laughs> <laughs> You know the scene when Andrew walks in and he's talking to him and he's like, you know, 
for you know, like I knew Kyle really well, and it, don't you find it odd that yeah. throughout the entirety of his journal, he never talks about <laughs> anal or fisting or shitting or felching? <laughs> and then probably his response is, "Yeah, it, it is a little light on the felching." <laughs> Would you rather get felched or do the felching? I don't actually know what that is. You don't know what felching is? No, I do not. Oh man, oh, I live a blessed life. I think. <laughs> oh, I'll let you explain it, Brett. <laughs> dude, it's it's so gross. <laughs> now I need to know what is it. It's when you come in an asshole and slurp it out. <laughs> yep. Oh. Or it could be pussy too. So I mean, it could be either. But I thought it was specifically asshole. If it's both, then you know, more it's power both. to you. Yeah, it's both. So what was the question? Would you rather get felched or do the felching? I feel like. Would you rather suck come out of someone's asshole or have come sucked out of your asshole? <laughs> I feel like the question of the century. I feel like the only. I, I hope right you've learned something today, be, everyone. I hope you've learned something. It, it would be to do the felching, right? Because to suck the come out, yeah, yeah. Because if someone was felching me, that would imply that there was a penis in my ass at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but do you really want to be sucking come out of an asshole either? <laughs> I don't want someone depositing cum in my asshole. More, le- I want that less than I want to. Hold on, hold on, though. The question is: the question is when completely unwanted, which is what this situation is being. Okay. It, when completely unwanted, because there's nothing wrong. Hey, if you want to come and if you want come in your butthole, that's cool. We, I don't care. But in a situation where you don't want either, the question becomes: which one is more demeaning? Is it more demeaning to have? come deposited in your butthole that you did not want yes, or is it more demeaning to have to suck it out of someone's well, it's asshole it's always consensual I'm approaching this from a non-consensual standpoint yeah if you um go to our affiliate link beatsbydre.com slash felching you'll get 10% <laughs> off <laughs> you have to answer any the question any felching services you want <laughs> would you rather suck come out of, a, out of the left beat or the right beat oh god Oh, okay. Uh, but I think the answer, regardless, is to do the sucking because <laughs> someone has to deposit come into your ass <laughs> or your vagina. I like sure, how Blake, Blake brings in to consensualness me. to this. Clearly, we're talking about when you don't want either of these things because yeah. if you're, no, if you're consensually sense, doing it, then it doesn't matter. A felch on anybody. <laughs> force felched. <laughs> oh, gross. So. Uh, another shout out <laughs> moment to the to the movie was whenever and I liked that it kept coming back to being Jason, but whenever he gets up there and at least this one seems as though it's original, but he's doing the Black Ancestor poem where he's like, "I may sing, I may dance," <laughs> and then he says the whole thing right, and then at the end of it, the only thing that really makes it funny is that Lance is two like, "White girls, all right." Does anybody else have their haiku? I was like, "That's clearly not a fucking haiku." <laughs> <laughs> to that, me, I, that, I, I laughed my ass off at that because I'm like, that was not a haiku at fucking all. That was way too many words. Also, the fact that it's just two white girls sitting in the room. Yeah. And he <laughs> so says, like, stay black, y'all. Huh? He says, stay black, y'all, when he's done. Yeah. yeah. To a room with <laughs> two other white girls. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Holy shit. Uh, is there any other just like funny standout moments that anybody wants to bring up? Because I think this movie is kind of chock full of them, realistically. I'm I think good. I mentioned all the ones I at least took note of or remember. Mm-hmm. Chris, you got any? No, I've exhausted the uh, scenes that I really liked. 
Did anybody realize, and this is nothing about the scene, this is just more funny too, uh, as a, a reference, I actually have never caught this until now. Tom Kenny is the producer on the Dr. Dana show that's talking to him about, hey, if you start to cry, you know, look up, don't look down. And I, I don't know how I've never noticed that that was Tom Kenny, but as soon as I saw him this time, I was like, that's Tom Kenny. What the hell? Fucking Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny, he's a man of everything, right? Yeah. Uh, the I guess one of the other scenes that just makes me laugh because of how stupid it is, but it also kind of just fitting with his character is when Kyle says being seen with two teachers is AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, again, kind of talking to Chris's thing, like if you made some modest changes to their relationship – I actually think that this is another one of those good moments where it's like if this is the way they just communicated and worked and like they were cool with it. What, but I love that like Robin Williams' character's response is, "If you don't act right, I'll stab you in the face." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If the kid was nicer, I think I would have liked him a lot more. Yeah, I, it's weird. I do I mean, think I guess that's that the point. But yeah. they could they could actually have a really funny and interesting parent son like parent child relationship if all you do is change the way that each of them respond to certain stimuli. Because like again, the moment where he's kind of like shit talking with his dad about his dad going to get some pussy is actually funny. And it's like if this was like their normal repertoire, and then also like him being like, "Hey, we're gonna go to dinner," and it's like him smarting off with his dad, and be like, "Good," being seen with two teachers as aides, and he's like, "Come on, or I'll stab <laughs> you in the face." Like if that was approached from like a more lighthearted manner, that could actually be a really interesting movie relationship. But yeah. It's not what this movie needed. It's just interesting that it could work. Because, you know, um, a movie that often gets referenced for the way that the the children and the parents have a relationship is Easy A. I don't know if either of you I haven't seen, seen it, it seen since it, it yeah. came out. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good movie. But uh, the, the way that the parents interact with the children are very much kind of like what we're talking about here where it's like everything's just kind of jokey and funny and over the top and sarcastic and a lot of people talk about how it's a good representation of like parent to kid relationship or an interesting take on it in movies you could have had that here i think the last line that i'm going to shout out and then we can just kind of go on to anything else that you two may want to talk about here but the last line that just makes me laugh every time i see the movie it's such a small line and i think a lot of people may even miss it is whenever Andrew's at the house after Kyle gets grounded and he walks in and <laughs> Lance goes and talks to Kyle and Kyle's response is don't mess with Andrew. He has asthma and really fucking quick. He <laughs> says that he shouldn't be having milk products. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that shit makes me laugh every single time. Oh man. All right. Well, I'm going to, as host, I'm going to, bequeath you the moment to uh say your last thoughts about any of the stuff that maybe we haven't talked about um and then we can move on to choosing the next movie and dropping our ratings i think i've pretty much talked about everything you plead the fifth both of you yeah i'm trapped all right well there we are we have pled the fifth and we have nothing else to talk about if you enjoyed the movie i am actually really curious to learn let us know. Hit us up on that Twitter if you've got a Twitter or on the Facebook group. And the Twitter is at matinee underscore midweek. And tell me your favorite scene or if you've seen the movie before. That's something I think I want to start doing just because it's definitely when it's movies that we've all seen or even when we're done. 
I would really like to see how people feel if they've come in and watched a movie that they've never seen before and how they actually liked it because of the movie or because of the show. Um, but that brings us to, I guess, the best thing here. Do we want to choose the next movie next or do we want to go ahead and knock out our uh, ratings? We'll go ahead and do the ratings. Okay. What do you, Chris, rate this movie? Uh... I think i have to stick with my original rating and just give it a two and a half i think that that's completely respectable it's right in the middle yeah. uh, i think i want to start asking I was, if you guys are okay with it we don't have to keep doing yeah. it but this is a question i'm more curious for specifically chris because of the fact that he rated it there do yeah. you think you'd ever watch this movie again no okay blake what do you rate it i give it a four out of five four out of five would you ever watch it again Given time, yeah. It's not one that I could see myself watching again in like a month or two. Yeah. Or maybe in a couple of years, I'd turn that thing back on and enjoy watching it again. For sure. And as somebody who has rewatched it plenty of times, I'm yeah, definitely not something I'd... It's not like... As much as I love the movie, it's not like a Joe Durr or the new guy where I can just put it on pretty much any given day of the week and absolutely love it and not be like, uh, I've seen this too recently, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to give it my rating. And as much as I love this movie, no movie is perfect. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, All right. And now, let's see. Who is next in rotation? It should be our good boy, Blake. Blakey boy. And I still don't know what I'm picking yet. (laughs) I've been thinking about it for like three days straight. All right. Lord of the Rings, the two hours. All right. I got it. All right. The midweek matinee extravaganza. All three Lord of the Rings (laughs) director's cut. You joke, but I would be super down. I would too, Um, actually. Okay, so we're going to watch Irreversible. Okay, I don't think I've heard of this. It is a film by Gaspar Noe. Noah? Noe? Okay. Uh, more is, details um, please <laughs> <laughs> so the description is Alex and Marcus are a couple whose story is told over the course of a fateful day the tumultuous odyssey begins with a brutal killing then unspools in reverse to reveal the horrifying events that led to the gut wrenching violent climax of the opening scene is this That's a French hot. movie yeah Blake are you ever going to pick an English movie <laughs> <laughs> what Jesus did I pick Christ. last time I think it was English last time once upon a time in America was not English, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, yeah, two thousand two, irreversible. Uh, it is the, on a lot of like the most fucked up movies you can watch lists. Yeah, it's weird. It says that it's free on Vudu. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I own. I don't know Voodoo, for so sure. I can't tell. Yeah, Tubi also says it's free, so if you want to check it out there, you can watch it with ads. Most likely, that's how Tubi works. You can rent it from a. Very, you know, multitude of places with YouTube uh, being three ninety nine, iTunes, Amazon yeah. Prime. It's so, on Hoopla, which is a public library place. It's not a- sounds like a lot of Hoopla. Sounds like a lot of Hoopla. Sounds like a Hoopla. Hoopla. Sounds like a lot of Hoopla to make over a little Krabby Patty, right? <laughs> Wrong. No, it's on um, standard definition. You can buy it other places but hd apparently is only voodoo according to just watch app Mm, interesting all right well be sure to check that out if you if you want to check out next week's episode before you come into it that way you can 
listen with no spoilers but i think it's time to wrap this show up so thank you two for joining me as always and like i mentioned earlier you can find us on social media to interact with us over on twitter at matinee underscore midweek you can find us on facebook at midweek matinee it's our same name there you can find us on instagram as i am told i don't have an instagram so i can't confirm or deny that but if you want to check out what we are looking at what blake has been watching throughout the week different things that we do over on social media feel free to go over there and hit us up and tell us movies that you think maybe we should watch so we can we can consider them for rotation and slide them in uh, if we start getting enough fan requests i wouldn't mind having it to be where maybe the fourth movie every time is always going to be a fan request one um yeah something like that that way we can get a little bit more interaction with the community but Sounds lit. Sounds lit. If that shit you slaps, bro. Enjoy this. <laughs> Michael Jackson slaps. <laughs> it's if you enjoy this show and you listen on a podcast service that gives you the ability to rate, please consider giving us a rating and letting us know what you do or don't like about the show, how we can improve it, or what you think we could we should keep doing that you like. That way, it lets other people know whether the show is worth their time. Um, that's entirely up to them and you to decide. So uh, I think the last thing here that we need to round off is that if you want to support the show with more than just your time, which we are more than grateful for, I promise you, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month to get episodes of this early. We post them on the Friday before they would go live. So you get them five days ahead of everyone else. Uh, and you can, of course, chat with us on Patreon and help support the show just directly. So if you really like it, we appreciate that. Helps us keep from having to worry about getting actual ad reads as much as we want to have uh, Beats support us for their fletching, uh, fletching, <laughs> felching services. <laughs> but to end things off, we always like to give a shout out to all of our patrons. And this month, we actually have our new, or this week rather, we have a new patron. So shout out to our new patron, Mr. Richard Schaefer. Otherwise, we also give a shout Richie. out to Josh Matthew Green. <laughs> My name is Dan, <laughs> Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mr. Joshua Lago, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and last but certainly not least, Mr. Tyler B. If, again, you would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.